0: How are we? Hey, can we give it up to Hume for this awesome production? That was pretty sweet. My name is Tyler. If I had one superpower, I would be as cool as Chad. Can I see everyone's best Chad right here? Got to get your surfer face out. That's so good. His real name is Garrett, but would you do me a favor and just call him Chad all week and not refer to his real name? Chad, okay, that's great. Hey, I wanna let you in on a little secret too. This is week three of Meadow Ranch and this is actually the first week that the air conditioning is working here in this building. So some might say you are the luckiest campers at Hume Lake this week. So you are blessed and highly favored and let's give it up to God for some good air conditioning. Does that sound good? Awesome. Well, hey guys, my name is Tyler Cornford. I actually live in central Virginia right now, but first eight years of my life, I grew up here at Hume Lake, just like Garrett did. So if you know the hill uh, with the tan houses on top, uh, that was my neighborhood there growing up. And then is anyone here from Bakersfield? We moved when I was eight from giant sequoias and just this beautiful scenery to giant oil fields and nasty smog. So I don't think super highly of Bakersfield, but I do love the people. And then from there, I went to Liberty University. There I met my wife. Jackson, if you can throw up that photo. My wife, we've been married for five years, just hit five years, May 24th. We have two little girls, Gracie, she'll be three in August, and then Joy is approaching a year and a half. And hey, the reason that I'm putting our photo up here is because we're going to be around camp. We're going to watch recreation and just be around during free time. I want you to know that we've genuinely been praying for you for months now. And even fasting and asking that the Lord would meet you up here at Hume Lake and he would reveal himself to you. So just like Harry said, hey, we ask you guys to have respect for us. It's from a genuine love that that I have for you guys. So if you see us around camp, please feel free to come up, get to know us. We'd love to hear a bit of your story. If you have any funny jokes, my wife, Sydney, loves to hear some funny jokes And if if God is teaching you anything, uh, please, we would love to share that. So feel the freedom. There's your invitation. Please come up. We would love to get to know you. So now we live in Central Virginia. I work for a church there where we get to be a part of training and equipping people who want to move to places of the world where Jesus is not known or proclaimed. So it's an honor to even come up here and now have an opportunity to introduce you to God, the creator of heavens and the earth. And then talk to you about who Jesus is and why that is such good news, who he is and what he's done. Well, Jackson, if you'll pull up that next picture. This was Tyler 15 years ago. I was a camper here at Meadow Ranch. And the reason I want to show you this is because when I tell people my story, I actually talk about this chapel right here. Because there's something called decision night and I stood up here in this chapel, and that's where I realized my faith in Jesus. And that was, was this room is where I was made right with God by faith in Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about this week. Hey, Harry said this pretty well, but I just want to double down on it, that we are not going to talk to you like your children. What, what you're going to hear when I teach from God's Word, I'm going to talk to you like young adults because this stage of your life that you, that you are in is actually one of my favorite stages of life to talk to and interact with. Because you're starting to become more and more independent in your thinking. And maybe some, some of you, you've grown up in a Christian home. And you've identified as a, as a follower of Jesus because you go to church or because of who your family is. But now God has given you the freedom in, in how your mind has formed to start to think more independently. And this is where I started to ask myself, do I really believe this? Or am am I just saying I believe this because of the family that I grew that I grew up in? So that's what I want you to do in that maturity as you as you're being respectful and listening to, to God's word being taught, just to genuinely ask the Lord, just between you and him, do I really believe this? That sound good? Sweet, to three of you. That's awesome. Okay. Hey. If you have your Bible, go ahead and raise it in the air. Anyone have a Bible? This is awesome. Here, I want you to do, do me a favor. If you don't have a Bible this week, go ahead and tell your count. You can put your Bibles down. Thank you. Be careful. It's a sword. If you don't have your Bibles this week... I want you to go ahead and tell your counselor or tell a Hume staff member because we would love to get you a physical copy of God's word. Because here's something I want you to ask, I want to ask you to do is when I'm teaching something, I want you to look back to God's word and see if that's true. Not just believe everything I say because everything, Lord willing, that I'm teaching is coming right from this book. Okay, open up those Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. There's a table of contents there at the beginning of your Bible if you need it. Daniel's in the Old Testament. It's after the book of Ezekiel. It's before the book of Hosea. While you're turning there, let me tell you what we're going to be learning this week. In Daniel, we're going to read about real events that happened, ready, 2,627 years ago. We're going to read about a wicked, selfish, selfish, prideful, short-tempered king. We're gonna read about four teenagers who were ripped out of their home and taken to this foreign land that worshiped this false god and didn't treat the true god as he deserves. But these teenagers would would grow up and they would keep their faith in that one and the one true god. Friends, there's gonna be fire and gold and vegetables and a hand that is literally riding on the wall that's not attached to a body. There's going to be dreams, and those dreams interpreted from God by Daniel, his messengers. But greater than any of all these cool stories that we're going to read about, we get to learn about God Almighty through this book. So here's something interactive that I want us to do. I'm going to read a main text, or just several verses every night. And when I finish reading that, I want you to do something for me. I'm going to read the verses, and I'm going to tell you, this is the word of the Lord. And then what I want you all at the same time to say back to me is thanks be to God. And here's the reason for that. I got it there up on the screen. That first part, when I say this is the word of the Lord, there's a verse in here, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says all scripture is God-breathed. Which means that when these books and letters were originally written, they were directly from God himself. And now we're reading an English translation. So when I tell you this is the word of the Lord, it's to remind you that this is from God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And then when you say back to me, thanks be to God, here's what that's going to do. That's going to remind all of us, including me, that this book is a gift from God. And we should approach it with thankful and grateful hearts. Okay, so Daniel chapter one, verses one through two. I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna say thanks be to God. <laughs> I'm gonna say this is the word of the Lord and I'm gonna have you say thanks be to God. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. With some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Amen. Now, before I give you some historical context of what's going on here, here here's the two main points that I'm going to give you. Everyone hold up a one in the air. This first main point say, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. You might not know what the word sovereign means, but when we get to this first main point, I'm going to define for you what that means. Okay, now hold up a two in the air. Everyone say, Christians are exiles. Christians are exiles. Awesome. Okay, we're going to dissect that and look at it. But first, look at this map that I have up here. Because I mentioned this takes place 2,627 years ago. But here's a modern-day map. So what we're looking at is Jerusalem is still there on the left side in Israel. And then Babylon that we're going to read about, it's in modern-day Iraq. And in the road systems that we have today, it would be a 13-hour drive from one capital city to the other. But they didn't have these road systems back then. So tomorrow, when we talk about these teenagers taking the journey to Babylon, it would take weeks, if not months, through the desert to get there. Okay, so something that's really good whenever you open your Bible and read is just to ask questions for what's going on here. Because when God gives us his word, it was written to a specific people at a specific time. So that's why I'm going to share with you, uh, hey, when you see King Jehoiakim, it's good to ask who is King Jehoiakim? And why did God Almighty think it was important for us to have this sentence in the Bible right here? Well, King Jehoiakim is the king of Judah at this time. Does anyone know who Abraham is from the Bible? Which song do we commonly sing? Father Abraham had many sons. Okay, so here's where that comes from. That's from Genesis 12. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And God talks to Abraham, whose name at that time was Abram. And he promises Abraham that, hey, you come to this land and I'm gonna give you this land. I'm gonna give you more descendants than there are stars in the sky and sands on the seashore. And I'm also gonna bless all the nations of the earth through you. So now that's in Genesis. Now we enter into Daniel that takes place hundreds, if not thousands of years later. And Jehoiakim is 27 generations later after Abraham. In other words, Abraham was Jehoiakim's great to the 25th power grandpa. But what's sweet is uh, the nation of Judah or the tribe of Judah is now living in this land that in Genesis 12, God told Abraham that he would have. And they have become a mighty nation. But then it gets really confusing when we see here at the end of verse one that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So if you're a junior hire that's living in Jerusalem and you've been told that your great, great grandpa Abraham was promised to have the very land that you're dwelling in and that you would be a mighty nation. And then this wicked nation and this wicked king surrounds the city to besiege it, which means to have the intention to take captivity of this. Can I just ask you, would you be confused if you were there in that moment? And you see this wicked nation start to take over the nation that that God promised would be great and mighty? Would you doubt God's goodness? I would would probably be doubting God's faithfulness. And God, are you really going to keep your word? But here's what is sweet, and here's where we find our first main point. The start of verse 2, if you have a highlighter or a pen and you're okay with doing this, I'd encourage you to underline these three words at the start of verse 2. The Lord gave. And that's where we get our first main point that God is sovereign. So up there, the definition, someone who is sovereign means that he has the authority to rule and to reign. And friends, this is really good news for us because we see that God is not backing out of his promise. But in fact, God's good and faithful hand is even over stewarding this wicked nation. And there would be something greater and and more refining for the nation of Israel that would come from it. So we're we're going to walk through Daniel all this week, but the truths that we're going to find in Daniel aren't only found in Daniel. So can you do me a favor and open up to Genesis chapter 1 verse 1? Genesis is the first book in the Bible. It's a little easier to find than Daniel. So as we think of God being sovereign, we actually learn about it from the first verse of the first chapter of the first book in the Bible. Okay, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. When you're there, say word. I hear still. I still hear pages turning. I don't know if I believe it. Okay, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Let's go ahead and read it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Did, did you see that? Did you see in these first four words In the beginning, God. So what what do we learn just from the first four words in the Bible? It means that God was there right in the beginning. That no one and nothing created God. He was just there. One of God's attributes is that he is eternal, which means that he doesn't have a beginning. He has existed for all of time past and he will exist for all of time future. And sometimes, just for fun, I try and comprehend how God exists outside of time and how he has no beginning. And guess what? I can never figure it out. And it's okay to try and consider and and explore the depths of God and how he's revealed himself. But friends, here's something that I constantly see as I open God's word. If I was able to completely understand God, then would he really be worth worshiping? He wouldn't. Because he's so much greater and so much mightier than us, we can't even comprehend his ways. And that's another reason that this book is such a gift, because God, the one who is self-existent and self-sufficient and outside of time, he was actually kind and gracious enough to introduce himself to us through this word. So in the beginning, God, those first four words, and then the next six words, created the heavens and the earth. We see that everything and everyone that has ever existed is because they come from God, and God is the creator, which shows us that God is sovereign, because the one who creates has the authority to rule and to reign. And what I'm going to do with you this week is I, sometimes I'll share some stories or analogies or metaphors, when, when we see a truth in God's word, and I just want those to really help our brains comprehend what God's word is telling us, but here, here's, hear me say that whenever I share a story or give a metaphor, it's always going to fall short of the beauty and complexity of the truth that we see in scripture. But as I was just praying and asking the Lord for what what might be an an analogy or a story that could help us kind of understand how much greater and how much mightier you are than anyone and anything else. And I want you to imagine that you're at an assembly at your junior high, and then LeBron and the Los Angeles Lakers show up to your gym. And, And LeBron grabs the mic, and he says, we, the Los Angeles Lakers, want to play the seventh grade boys team. I don't think you'd be cheering like that if this really happened. So let's, let's say that LeBron and the Lakers are serious and they're actually gonna try their hardest against the seventh grade boys team. What do you think the score would be after five minutes? If you didn't say 200 to zero in five minutes, you're wrong. It wouldn't even be fair. But here's where the analogy falls short because maybe the seventh graders inbound it and just chuck it up and it goes in the hoop. Friends, it, it, when we think of how big and how mighty God is, a better picture is if the Lakers show up to your school assembly and they play against a cup of jello. That is how much greater God is. Can you just imagine LeBron crossing up this inanimate cup of jello? I know it sounds silly and it sounds kind of dumb, but God is so much greater and so much mightier than anyone in anything that it's. It's funny to try and compare him to anyone and anything else. Okay, as we continue to look at Genesis chapter 1, it's really sweet that we don't just learn about God, but we learn about how everything was created in the six days of creation. Let's look at verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So God literally just speaks light into existence. Okay, look down to verse 16 and 17 of Genesis chapter 1. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. So here's what we learn, that God says, let there be light, and light exists. And then in verse 16, we see what God does with that light that he has created. He literally crafts the sun and the moon and the stars and places them in the sky. And we see God say to the sun, you go there. And the sun is under God's authority and reign. So if we can put that next picture up, let me tell you about the sun a little bit. It's this this mighty, massive force of energy and heat that is hard for us to comprehend but i'm going to try to help us comprehend it a little bit because i want you to see that god who literally just spoke light into existence and tells sun you go there how great and mighty the sun is and it is at god's beckoning does anyone know how hot the middle of the sun is Did you say 8 million say that, say it a little louder Uh, Close, but wrong. Who else? How hot is the core of the sun? What do you think? Say it again. Nine quadrillion. That's a good question. Uh, Also incorrect. Okay, let me just help you out. The core of the sun is 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. Friends, I told you that I was from Bakersfield when I was in junior high and high school. And I don't know about you, but when it got 110 degrees, I'd be digging in the cabinets for the sunscreen because my skin can't take this insane heat. And if any of us got close to this 27 million degree sun, we would just disintegrate and evaporate right away. So the sun is this massive amount of heat. But let's consider the size of the sun. And is anyone in here six feet tall even? I see you at hand. Okay, what's your name? Say it louder. Jaden, you're six foot tall, even. Jaden, it would take twenty-two million ewes to cover the circumference of the earth. So if you were laying down on your back, you would need 22 million clones to go around the circumference of the earth. Jaden, do you smell do you feel small compared to the earth? Yes. (laughs) Thank you. 22 million Jadens to cover the circumference of the earth. Okay, so the earth is massive. Now, how many earths can we fit in the sun? All of these numbers I'm not hearing. Here's the correct answer. 1.3 million earths can fit inside the sun. And here's what's crazy. When we look at the creation account in Genesis... God just speaks light into existence, and then God looks at this sun that He's created and says, "Son, you go there." Friends, God is immense. God transcends anyone and everything. And the theme of God's sovereignty goes on all throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. In Psalm chapter one, fifteen, verse three, it says, "Our God is in the heavens; He does all that He pleases." I can't do all that I please. I'm limited by sleep. I'm limited by the authority that I have. But it's actually an incredibly good thing that we can't do all that we please. But God is sovereign and he does all that he pleases. And sovereign and eternal aren't the only attributes that we learn about God. God is also holy. So when we consider how big and immense and mighty God is, we also learn that God is holy. And to be holy means that he is morally perfect, that God never has a bad thought, that God never makes a bad decision. Everything that God does is good and without sin. And it is such a good thing that the God who created everything, the God who is in control, is also holy and good and morally perfect. And then here's where it just gets so personal and we see the richness of scripture Matthew chapter 10, verse 30. You don't have to turn there. But Jesus says that even the hairs on your head are numbered. Do you know how many hairs are on your head? Unless you're bald, the answer is no. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. Friend, God who created the heavens and the earth, who tells the sun, you go there, he knows everything about you. He knows even more about you than you know about yourself. He knows what gets you out of bed in the morning. He knows every thought you've ever had. He knows everything that you've ever done in secret and in public. God knows everything about you even more than you know about yourself. And here's something that I want us to see. And this is where I ask for the maturity caps the maturity caps to come on. That one day... All of us will individually stand before this mighty, immense, incomprehensible God. And he's either going to look at us and say, because of your faith in Jesus, you are my child, and you will be with me forever. Welcome home. Or God will say, because of your sin, you are my enemy, and you will be separated from me for all of eternity. And that is what we're going to talk about this week so here's, here's where the second main point comes in. Because you see there that first, you are my child, welcome home. What that means is that if you follow Jesus, if, if you put your faith in Jesus, Romans 8 tells us that you become a son or a daughter of God Almighty. And through Jesus, we get to be with God forever and ever. So hold up a two for me again. This was the second main point, that Christians are Exiles. You see the definition of exile up there. It means someone who is forced out of their home and is living somewhere else. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And they were taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. And they still worship their God. But they were exiles in this foreign land. And here's a beautiful truth. I told you that I live in Virginia. And I've also lived in California. But no matter where I'm living, my true citizenship Is nowhere here on this earth. I'm a citizen of heaven. Even if I'm in America or Tunisia or Algeria or Saudi Arabia or China, wherever I am, my home is truly heaven. And specifically what the Bible teaches us, my home is New Jerusalem. Has anyone ever heard of New Jerusalem? Some of us have. That's found in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And you can turn to Revelation 21 there in your Bibles. Well, friends, I love God's Word. And at one point in my walk with the Lord, I committed that I would read through the entire Bible. And honestly, I don't even know how long it took. But when I got to Revelation 21 and 22, I was literally brought to tears when I considered these verses and these chapters in the context of the whole narrative of Scripture. Because I see that through Jesus and what he has done, now I get to learn about what my home is really like. And New Jerusalem is where 99.999999 on and on and on, percent of my existence as a follower of Jesus will be. Look at chapter 21, verse 4. If you're at Revelation, go ahead and say word. Word. Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is a beautiful reality of our existence, because let me be real with you, I know that some of you are coming up to Hume, and it's an awesome, fun place, but you're actually at a really hard time in life, and maybe your home situation isn't something that's fun to talk about. Maybe your relationship with your parents is actually really broken. And when I tell you that God is Father, that's actually something that's painful for you because maybe your earthly father you don't have a good relationship with. Or maybe someone in your family has been diagnosed with some chronic disease or chronic illness. Or maybe you just go to your room and you have this mask and this face on and you're pretending to be someone, but then you get to your room And you just weep behind closed doors because maybe you're ashamed of something that you've done. Well, friends, this is why this is good news, that in Jesus, all things will be restored. And right now, we're living in a fallen, broken, painful world. I love the theme that we're going to walk through this week because God's word doesn't shy away from the reality that, hey, this life on earth is going to be really hard and really painful. But Jesus, Jesus even tells us, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And when I got saved, when through my faith in Jesus, I was made right with God, I didn't get zapped straight to New Jerusalem. God actually kept me here to do what I get to do this week. And what you get to do, if you're a follower of Jesus, he keeps us here to expand his kingdom because he reveals himself through his followers. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, the Apostle Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So as my wife and I were praying and fasting for you guys and inviting our friends and family to pray and fast for you guys, it's my prayer that every single one of you, when you walk away from this camp, you can say that same anthem that the Apostle Paul did. For me to live is Christ and to die is just to gain because I'm going to a place where God Almighty is. And this sun that I told you about, where the core is millions of degrees, there's not even a need of the sun anymore. In our eternal existence, the sun will be no more because God's glory is gonna radiate and illuminate new Jerusalem. I cannot wait to be there and to die as gain. But as I'm here and as he's kept me here, I am going to make Jesus known. And here's a warning that I'm gonna give you. When you hear this, I don't want you to just assume that you know exactly what side you're on. I don't want you to just assume that you are God's child. And maybe you are. I'm not telling you that you aren't. But it's going to take maturity, and it's going to take personal surrender and personal thinking for you to really ask the Lord, Am I your child? Do I really believe this? That's what I'm going to ask you to do this week. And here's something that I'm gonna share with you is the older I get and the more I study God's word. I used to open God's word and read stories like Daniel and I would see Daniel and be like, that's me. I'm Daniel, I'm living faithfully in this land. But if I'm completely honest with you, I'm a lot more like this wicked King Nebuchadnezzar than I am like Daniel. And only by the grace of God can I be like Daniel. So don't just assume you know where you are. And really examine yourself as, as God's word tells us to. And that I told you, one day we're all going to stand before this incomprehensible God. And it's either going to be a moment of extreme delight for you or extreme fear because you're either looking at your enemy or you're looking at your true heavenly father and here's the good news here's the gospel if you've heard the word gospel before this is why we're here this is why hume exists jesus sees how hopeless and how helpless we are in ourselves. i told you i'm i'm wicked in my own nature in my true self i'm wicked like king nebuchadnezzar and Jesus, said, Jesus sees that I am not holy like God is holy, and I don't deserve to be with God. And Jesus looks at me and says, Tyler, I know you can't, but I can, and I did. And that's what we're going to talk about this week, who Jesus is and what he's done. We're going to read through the story of Daniel, but ultimately we're going to learn about God Almighty, and we're going to learn about how Scripture has revealed our true nature So I have one more slide up here. And if you have a journal, I'd encourage you to write these questions down because I want you to leave chapel tonight just thinking through these questions. Question number one, am I really living like an exile on this earth? Can I really say like the Apostle Paul, for me to die is gain because I have New Jerusalem to look forward to? And then am I living as if God is sovereign? That's very important. Because King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, they were not living like God were sovereign. They thought that they were sovereign. And if you do things out of your own strength, it's only gonna end bad. So thanks for listening. I, I really do just want you to have so much fun up here this week. I love Hume. I, I've I've viewed it from the role of a camper and a counselor and Hume staff and then youth leader, and and now to have this role as speaker. Hume is a lot of fun. And I want you to go to recreation and just scream your face off and give your very best. And I want you to enjoy these activities. But the point of all of this is so that you come to chapel and you just lean in to learn about the creator of the heavens and the earth. Let's pray. Lord, it is such good news that we cannot do it on our own, but that you have done something for us. So I just pray for all my friends here that this week we meet you, that we have fun and we make some awesome memories, but more than anything, we learn about who you are and the personal relationship that we can have with you. Lord, you are sovereign and in control even over our physical bodies. And I just beg and ask that you would keep us healthy this week, that you would keep our minds attentive and sharp so that we can ultimately learn about you. And would you teach us to have that anthem of Paul for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. This is all for your glory, King Jesus, amen.